0: Ladies and gentlemen, Neeks and Gerds.
1: People who get it, get it.
0: Your language is spoken here.
1: God
2: bless the geek.
1: They're listening. You're consuming. You're
3: watching
0: over your ears. Oh, just listen. This is the Geek Speak Show. Please make a note of it. Your source for what's happening in geek culture. The Geek Speak Show is powered by Henry San Miguel, Rachel Roselli, Joel Giopetana, and proudly by GeekTyrant.com, Collider.com, screen.com Mightyville.com, and Zergnet.net. This is the Geek Speak Show. It
3: is the Geek Speak Show. Joel is here. Rachel is here. I'm here. Everybody's here. You're there. We are uh, over Comic Con already. Yes. No. Maybe so. The remnants still remain. I think somebody is not over something that happened in Germany over the weekend. Germany. No,
4: it's not even that. It's not even Germany. And you guys all know exactly what I'm talking about. Wait. Apparently, I'm waiting. Oh my God, it's so exciting because. Am I supposed to wait? Am I supposed to tell him now?
5: Are you pumped? Are you pumped yet?
3: Well, I mean, after that build, I mean, how can (laughs) we tell him? Wait till the end.
4: (laughs) Okay, so now that Celebration Europe 2 is over, they have announced Celebration 7. And guess where it's going to be?
0: Where? Where? Rachel's house.
4: In Anaheim. In Anaheim. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's going to be in SoCal.
5: (laughs) <laughs> Fine, what's
3: on the he's fix.
4: not that great of a dj but you know he's working on it because yes. there are no djs so they're retired they needs more bass
5: it. needs more bass slap that bass and
4: it's going to be uh it's going to be in uh, 2015 of course in april so right before episode 7 is coming out so of course you know what the whole theme uh, is going to be <laughs> and tickets of course so henry you need to pay attention <laughs> tickets go on what? sale august 7th
3: tickets we don't need those thinking tickets no, no, potentially. Ticket. Rachel just you know did the Obi-Wan Jedi mind trick on me, and, and and she didn't have to quiz because I'll announce it now. I mean, big duh. Look who's our co-host. We are going to be there also. We're going to cover Celebration in Anaheim. We covered, uh, what do you call it? WonderCon. Why wouldn't we go to, to this one? Hello months, weeks before episode seven comes out. You really think we weren't going to be mm-hmm. there? It's a Celebration. You really and- think we're, we're not going to have Rachel with her microphone sitting next to JJ? So, JJ, let's talk episode 7.
4: <laughs> exactly. Joel, you're going to have to follow me around with the camera because I'm going to be in costume and all of that, but we'll we'll handle it.
3: I don't mind. You got to follow Rachel though. He's got to be following with the camera the all the uh slave Leia cosplayers. Ra- Rachel
5: cam, Rachel cam 2013.
3: <laughs> no. Yeah, but yeah, that's a big that's the big announcement. He had a few announcements at Celebration, the one that just happened over the weekend. Um the one of them is speak playing with the music here. No Jackino. John Williams will return turned the score episode seven, which is I, I don't know, is that a good bad thing? Because quite honestly, <laughs> Jacinto is, is what? no different than than John Williams. John Williams just because he's his body of work, he's done it for for longer. But Jacinto has made some very uh, Star Trek for the new Star Trek. I can't think of Star Trek now without thinking of Jaquino's theme, not Alexander Courage's theme anymore. So he's he's that good of, of uh the lost theme, even if it's just. Oh. That was all <laughs> Jackino. And JJ came out of him, but it was Jackino who did who did uh the fringe theme, the lot the uh the alias themes, uh everything that he's done the Super 8 themes, the Cloverfield theme, you guys should have stayed through the credits and played, there was some music in Cloverfield. It was all Jackino. So uh and, you know, like back then, let's show my age, but way <laughs> back you know, almost thirty years ago now, thirty-five years ago exactly, John Williams. If, there was, if it was a George Lucas film, which at the time was only Star Wars,, yeah. John Williams had to score it. It was a Steven Spielberg movie. John Williams had to do the score. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's Hans Zimmer, you know Christopher Nolan's behind it. <laughs> if, uh, if it's a Jack score, you know, it's J.J. behind it. So I was kind of hoping they would keep to that tradition because this is the new generation of, you know, our George Lucas' J.J. is one of us, and he's uh, go ahead, Joel say, you're one of us. One of us. One
5: of us. But I like John Williams, though. I like John Williams. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I'm, know. Like I said, he he he's he he did the soundtrack to my childhood. I'll put it yeah. that way. Uh, right. But didn't he do Jaws also Yeah, Jackino's doing the soundtrack for these guys. The, the guy that just fell off the chair with their, my my kids. They so you know it, it, it doesn't honestly not not to belittle John Williams or anything. I'm not that excited about it that he's coming back. It's kind of like a okay, well, duh. He, get, he gets to play his songs well, again.
4: We are so we'll make up for you. Don't worry.
3: Um, the other thing <laughs> is, uh, what is it called? Avant. Rebels, right? Star Star Wars Rebels. Rebels. Uh, yes.
4: Yeah. Yes. That
3: the they got the logo. I haven't put it up on the Facebook. I have it saved somewhere. I think you sent me one or somebody sent it to me, and so I'll put it up there. Although you guys have already seen it by now. Um, and you know, surprisingly, not too many huge announcements. No uh, Avengers Age of Ultron type of announcements came out of a celebration, unless uh, unless you know. I of some. didn't
4: expect it to, though. No, yeah.
3: they got to keep on the low low. Yeah, there's. Where else are they going to say it? Like you have a Disney convention, nothing coming up. I was gonna say, so, we
4: did mention yeah, something I mean, last
3: For the show today, we are going to talk demons. What? Not the ones that we're enjoying. No, we're going to talk demons. Pretty cool <laughs> Kickstarter project. We're also going to talk about voiceover acting. And, and voiceover acting is not in-world. That's not voiceover. That's announcing. Voiceover <laughs> acting is cartoon voices. Kind of like oh. the voices we think are coming out of Joel. That's voiceover hey, acting. Um, with a couple of people that have been on the show before. You guys know them for Shelf Life. Uh-huh. Yuri and Tara, they'll come on and talk about a new documentary, mockumentary, whatever it is. Pretty cool little thing coming coming on. We'll talk about the Wolverine pacing. Pete will do that before we get to him. He'll give his take. What did you all think of the
5: Wolverine? I'm indifferent to the whole X-Men franchise, to be honest.
4: I know when it first came out it, w- it was awesome and it drew everybody in and then as we continue it's just kind of like okay I saw it but nothing amazing
3: I, I I liked it because I don't like you Jackman dude when I came out is I think it's I think you're the target audience anyway so it's okay
1: yeah.
3: when I came out I said <laughs> Marvel this is how you do it and it's not even it's a it's a it's a Marvel property, but it's not a Marvel Studios movie, this is how you do a Marvel movie. Yeah. Especially, of course, you had to stay through the credits. That's how you set up a movie. Oh man, I didn't stay through the not credits. Not like Iron Man 3. Damn. So, pacing people yeah. have his take on that. Gotta watch it again. All the features are here, starting with Joe. Go! Check, check
0: this out.
5: Geeking Out with Joe Giappitana. Here's Joe. The Wolverine top box office is this week raking in $55 million in the U.S. and $86.1 million overseas. However, it didn't do as well as x mens Origins Wolverine and X-Men First Class when they first came out. Nonetheless, that movie cost $120 million to make, so it's already in the green. In an interview, Chris Claremont did state that he liked the first two acts of the Wolverine, but he thought, and I quote, the third act was, wasn't bad per se, but it was a different tone. Uh, now, here's a question that's on every Star Wars fan's mind. What's all this talk about Star Wars Attack Squadron? Apparently, Disney has has recently registered hella domains for something called Star Wars Attack Squadron. They've got attacksquadron.org, starwarsquad.net, .org, .us, .net, etc., etc. And so far, guesses are that it could be a game, a TV show, a film, or something else entirely. Whatever it is, we'll keep you posted as more details transpire. I will tell you, though, that John Williams has been confirmed to return to score Star Wars Episode 7. Cue the Star Wars music now. <laughs> In other movie news, Joss Whedon met up with Kick-Ass star Aaron Taylor-Johnson to talk about possibly playing Quicksilver in the Avengers Age of Ultron. Keep in mind, Whedon's Quicksilver will be a lot different from Brian Singer's Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Future's Past, who will be played by American Horror Stories' Evan Peters. Kick-Ass 2 geeks out August 16th. But speaking of X-Men, James McAvoy, who played Prof X in X-Men First Class, has been casted to play Victor von Frankenstein in Fox's Untitled Frankenstein Project. The script is still being written, but Daniel Radcliffe, aka Harry Potter, has been also confirmed to play the Doctor's assistant, Igor. Now let's talk TV. With all the success surrounding Arrow, the CW is looking to expand the DC TV universe. And word is that they're developing a Flash television series. Barry Allen will be first introduced in the second season of Arrow and will have a recurring role in the series. A Flash movie is still unclear, but if possible, it would have to fit in between 2015's Batman vs. Superman movie and 2017's Justice League. In related news, the CW has put a pause on Wonder Woman to pursue the fastest man on Earth. The Flash takes off next fall. Speaking of CW spinoffs, the CW is also moving forward with their long-planned Supernatural spinoff, which is going to focus on the clash of hunter and monster cultures in Chicago. That spinoff is being designed as a a backdoor pilot that will run in Supernatural's upcoming ninth season. The longest-running, scripted TV series, The Simpsons, is finally going to cable after 25 seasons and more than 530 episodes. On Fox, The Simpsons may be getting syndicated. The show's definite future is still up in the air and may go to Fox is Sister Network FX or FXX, or maybe even Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, and there have been hints that an all-Simpsons channel could be possible. Not much of a surprise, but Under the Dome has been renewed for a second season. That show returns next summer with 13 new episodes. Executive producer Brian K. Vaughn spoke about the possibility of Stephen King writing episodes for season two, but no confirmation as of yet in tech. Sony has teamed up with Panasonic to create a new optical disc capable of storing 300 gigabytes of information. Panasonic confirmed that they are working jointly to create a new disc standard by the end of 2015. For reference, PS4 games contain only 15 gigabytes of info, so imagine what 20 times that would be like. Microsoft is lowering the price of the Surface RT by $150. Apparently Microsoft made too many Surface tablets and they're not selling as well as projected. In fact, Microsoft reported a $900 million loss in the first quarter of 2013. So in short, now, now, now is a good time to buy a Microsoft Surface if you're in the market for a cheap tablet finally in fan news an australian millionaire is actually building a real life jurassic park and of course he's sparing no expense his name is clive palmer and he is a mining tycoon and he's pretty much getting a crap ton of robot dinosaurs and posing them in his coastal resort apparently they look really realistic and some of the robots are about 25 to 30 feet tall and can breathe fire (laughs) made in china that same dude is also building a Titanic replica that should be completed in 2016. So this concludes this segment of Geeking Out with Joel. If you have any questions, concerns, problems, you know, you could always email us at what at thegeekspeakshow. Wait what? at, the Show. Wait, what? at the Or you can always hop on our Twitter at geekspeakshow1. Till next time. Why, hello, John. Hello, John. Ouch, that hurt, John.
0: Push, little one, push. I'm Zach, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. Hold on a second. One more with flavor. Yeah. Oh, I'm Zach Whedon, and you're listening to the yeah. Geek Speak Show.
6: It's compelling. What's going to happen to these kids?
3: Listen to that all day. Welcome back to the Geek Speak Show. So, they were on last year talking about Shelf Life. You all know that. I should say the award-winning Shelf Life now web series. Uh, this time around, though, we're going to talk to Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt back back on the Geek Speak Show. They are actors, voice actors. Welcome, guys, to the Geek Speak Show.
2: Hi, Thank thanks you. so much for having yeah, us. Yeah, happy
7: to be here. Yeah, thanks for
3: taking the time to talk to me. I know uh, I've done voiceover before. I know how how a good busy, but how busy the, the voice of a the life of a voice <laughs> yeah. actor can be.
7: Um, yeah, no. Th- thankfully, busy.
3: Yeah, so so yeah, it's actually like I was like I said, it's a busy that we want to have because when we're not busy, exactly. we're in trouble. Right.
7: Um,
3: speaking of voice voice acting, you guys have a new documentary slash documentary called The Con Artist. I have the trailer up on uh, on the uh, on our Facebook page. You guys can go check yeah. it out. Uh, tell us a little bit about it.
2: Sure. Um, Well, as voice actors, we had been traveling to a number of conventions around the world for several years and we were chatting about the, the wild, wonderful world that is conventions with a friend of ours who is a filmmaker. Uh, He does documentaries, and he's also an actor. And we were just chatting about it one day, and he was like, this is the craziest thing. Like, it's just this weird place that you guys are where nobody knows who the heck you are when you're not in a convention hall. But when you're at a convention hall, you're like the Beatles. And we were joking about that and laughing about it. And he's like, we should totally do a movie. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we should do a movie. I I don't really know what the hook is. I'm not sure what we would do. And a few days later, he called us back. We were actually, I think we were in Baltimore. We were
7: at a convention in Baltimore. Yeah, we were
2: at a convention in Baltimore, and he called us back and he's like, I have it. It's called Con Artists. And Yuri and I are like, done. Let's sign up. We're doing it. We're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) That was sort of the origin of it. His name is Boris Kievsky, and he came on as the director and filmmaker, and he traveled with us over the course of a year to 11 different conventions, and we shot Mm -hmm. actual documentary footage. But then we also, because... At the root of it, we found it very humorous. We also made sure that we created and crafted characters that were us but weren't us so that we could do a Christopher Guest-style mockumentary in, an, in inside of the documentary that mm-hmm. is con artist. And, and
7: we found as we were going around and shooting stuff that there was so much sort of real interesting information about uh, conventions and why people go to them and what they love that we didn't want it to just be like a big joke film. We wanted people who didn't really know much about the scene to be able to watch the film and go, oh, oh, there's this whole new world I don't know about. So, so that's why we call it sort of a docu-comedy sometimes because it's, it's, there's real documentary stuff in there as well as yeah. some funny stuff that we can. Yeah.
2: We're, with. when we poke fun at, it's poking fun at ourselves. We're not poking fun at the culture or the convention itself. We're poking mm-hmm. fun at us, yeah, no, <laughs> which I, is, which is the best, best kind of fun. To poke,
7: I, I, at, I, lo- I, I love conventions too much. And I'm too big of a nerd to, uh, to actually make fun of uh, those people, <laughs> um, without making fun of myself. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, I used to go to conventions even before we were in the business. Um, when I was growing up, I would go to Star Trek conventions and comic book conventions and Doctor Who conventions, and and I used to dress up, and so, so I'm uh, I'm definitely steeped in it. Who hasn't really done all that? I guess
2: there's a lot of people because a lot of people hopefully will come watch our movie think about conventions. That's true. And Tara
7: and Tara didn't grow up with that the way that I did, so so it's also you know interesting because because she comes from a different uh, perspective on it. I think that also helped in the film.
4: Yeah.
3: When, when I got the trailer for the, this, you know, I, I watched it, I, I liked it, I haven't done the same thing, You know, a little bit of voice acting myself, and I do use my voice for this stuff. And I also attend conventions now because of the show on an annual basis, or it seems like a monthly basis, really. Well There's always some kind of convention going on. Yeah. Um, what, I don't know if you guys saw a Mor- uh, Morgan Sporlock's documentary on Comic-Con from last year. Did you guys see that yeah. one?
2: Yes, I I still haven't seen it. We haven't seen it, but uh, our friend Holly Conrad, who actually did the costumes for Shelf Life, which we can talk about later, she's actually featured in it because she's a very Mm -hmm. well-known costume creator and cosplayer. So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
3: yeah, and when when he did it, you know, I mean, you know what he's known for, but he he was very respectful, and and it was a very very good uh, documentary. For this one, I like the idea because, like Yuri just mentioned, you're not you're not making fun of the culture. But you're actually right. taking, seeing it from a point of view of, of, a, of a voice actor at a convention. We have a few friends who do that, actually. Uh, first one that comes to mind is Dino Andrade, who does some video game voices uh-huh. like you guys do. Yeah. Hey, Dino. I know he listens to the show. <laughs> um, but what, what is it like when you go there as a voice actor? And like, like you, I think uh, it was Tara or Yuri, one of you guys mentioned it. It's, you're you're kind of like a, like a Beatle, like a rock star. Um, but what, what, is, what is it like meeting fans, um, that, that fans of your, your voice work?
7: You know, it's, it's great. And, and like I said, I used to go to conventions and I used to wait in line to to meet people and get autographs and stuff. And so, so I know how, how fun it can be, but also how delicate a situation it is. You know, if you're not respectful of the fans, um, I, because so much of the work that we do is in a vacuum, you know, it's not like we're performing on stage and we can feel the audience right out there. We do all our stuff. And then, you know, like a year later, people see it and, there's the internet, so we you know, we, we sometimes get comments on the work that we do. But, you know, to actually get to meet and interact with the people who actually appreciate what we do is is, you know, just as much just as important and just as much fun for us, I think, as it is for them. Um, as, as exhausting as it can be, you know, traveling and going to conventions and you know, being on for, for so many hours a day. It's uh, it's a great it's a great experience. You know, I love, I love going to conventions.
2: Yeah. I mean, there is something really nice about having that personal connection to a fan that you don't know how much you've affected them. You, you aren't privy to their life experience and their relationship to you in the work, you know, until they come up to you and let you know, you know, like that's something that's happening away from you outside of your own experience. Cause as the voice actor, you show up, you do the session, you go home. You hopefully have another session and you go do that. You know, like that's your experience with it. And you may enjoy the work you're doing. You may be proud of the work you're doing. And, you know, hopefully you're bringing something to it and, and exploring the work and exploring yourself as an actor and a creative force. But you don't really get to see, like Yuri saying, it's not like being in a theater, doing live theater with an audience and feeling their reaction. Like there's sort of this disconnect And so to have somebody come up to you and, and share a personal story of how the work you did affected them is a wonderful reward. I mean, what a, what an amazing job that we get to have, you know, like you do this work sort of by yourself and then it ends up you know, growing into something bigger than that. And I think that's fantastic. But it also, like Gary says, it's exhausting and tiring and and sometimes very overwhelming because also people put on you their whole relationship with you that you don't have. So it's this one-sided relationship that can be very confusing and uh, alarming um, <laughs> and just based on how they have viewed you. And, you know, if there's a pedestal they may have put you on that maybe you really shouldn't be on or whatever that is that then, you know, you don't want to dash their dreams or their hopes, but you also have to say, look, you know, I mean, I think Will Wheaton said it recently in a, in a post, like I'm human. If you cut me, I bleed. I'm not something else. Like I'm just a person at the end of the day. And I'm glad that you respect me. I'm glad that you like the work that I do. I'm not saying that I, as a person don't freak out about certain other people, you know, like there are definitely people that are like on my list, like I want to meet Sandra Bullock because I totally am a fan of hers, but I also know she's just a person and she puts her pants on each leg at a time, just like I do, you know? And I think that becomes the tricky, the tricky area is when people stop remembering that you're just a person. And so
7: I want to make a machine that actually puts my pants on both legs, legs two legs at a time. I can the, be that one guy what, who doesn't. What put would his you pants call on it? The double legger. The the pantser. The, the, pa- pantser. Pantsifier. the pantsifier.
2: The pantsifier. The, 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 3, the pantsifier three thousand.
7: Pantsifier three thousand. Okay, cool. Not that there was a one thousand or a two thousand. No, no, you got to start what, high. Yeah, yeah. You okay. heard
3: it on the show first. We got to trademark that. Uh, but right. I was gonna say actually, you know, see, she does put it on the same as we do, but probably a little bit more expensive pants than than what we would get. Is <laughs> <laughs> the only difference. Uh, Just, and also, yeah. how many times have you gotten, both of you guys, have you gotten the, you look, gee, you look nothing like the character, you know, X, Y, Z character that you voice. How many guys? How times have you gotten that?
7: Uh, that happens sometimes. You know, sometimes that'll happen with with really young fans. Kids, yeah. Like, yeah, like, uh, you know, the parents will bring them up, and they're like four or five, and they'll be like, hey, so, so say hi to Ben 10. And I, I clearly do not look, you know, <laughs> um, I look like, you know, Ben 40, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, and they and they just look at me like, "Mom, I thought you were, you know, I thought you were going to take bring, you know, me." me this ben is just 10. some weird
2: old guy. Yeah, was. where's Ben?
3: I don't see him.
7: Yep. Usually, in those instances, I'll say, "Okay, well, um, close your eyes for a second. and they close their eyes, and then I say, "It's hero time," you know, and then they open their eyes, pop open like they're like expecting, looking
2: for Ben Ten.
7: Yeah, like like Ben might have appeared while their eyes were closed. It's uh, that just
3: happened actually right here in the studio. My kids got excited when you did that.
2: <laughs> Excellent! <laughs> Yay! Excellent. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, you don't look like what I thought you would look like. But I think for the most part, now that voiceover and video games and animation and things like that have become so much more part of the mainstream. I mean, 20 years ago, people didn't really know about voiceover. It was sort of something that happened in the dark, dark bowels of uh, Hollywood somewhere. Like nobody really knew what it was. And now it's becoming more widely known and acceptable and there are big celebrities that do giant you know like the shrek movies and stuff like that people are starting to go oh okay it's this thing that these actors do and i think there's getting to be less of the you don't look like that character unless you're you know a young young fan <laughs>
3: right yeah right. yeah we're ta- talking to you alone and tara plaid they have a new documentary or what do you call it you're a docu-comedy
2: Comedy, I'm I calling guess. it a mockumentary, but I guess it's more of a docu-comedy because it's a mashup comedy and documentary at the same yeah. time.
3: Yeah, it's called Con Artists. You guys can check out the, uh, the the trailer on our Facebook or go to our link section. I have the the, the website on there. Uh, for each of you guys, let's talk about you you guys a, a little bit now. Mm-hmm. When did you get when did your interest in voice acting begin?
2: Uh, Well, it actually kind of happened at the same time for both of us. People assume because we're married um, that you know we met because of voiceover, but we didn't actually. We met doing an on-camera film together in New York, and then we moved out to Los Angeles together. And when we were out in LA, we were just looking for work as actors, and um, we were doing some theater and trying to figure out ways to make ends meet. And I don't even know how the idea popped into my head, but I just turned to Yuri one day and I was like, well, what's voiceover? How does that work? You know, like what are other options we could be doing as actors? You know, trying to pursue television, trying to pursue film, trying to pursue stage. What else is there as an actor? And we just sort of were brainstorming and we came across voiceover, but we didn't really know what it was. You know, we were we knew what it was without knowing what it was. We didn't, we didn't know anyone we, uh, that worked in it. Yeah,
7: we didn't know how to get into it or what, you know, the work was all about. And, you know, we had been busy auditioning for, for you know, film and TV and theater, and we didn't even know where, where those auditions were, so we just took a, a basic class. We just you know, asked around, did a little research, and took a basic class on getting into voice acting and mic technique and those things, and uh, we made some, some demos as part of that class. You know, a, a demo, like, like an example, it's, you know, it's the equivalent of the headshot resume if you were you know, doing on camera um, or, or theater. And uh, we st- we sent our demos out, and we started auditioning, and um, it started slow. But uh, you know, one one job led to another little job, and that job introduced us to somebody else, and um, it started to build from there. And and it was exciting because you know, as as a ki- I mean, I should have known. I mean, I should have voiceover should have been the first thing I thought of because I grew up playing video games and watching cartoons, and you know, making my own little radio shows when I was a kid, and. So, so that was something that I already had a love for, but for some reason just never thought, oh, well, that's, you know, a job that, <laughs> yeah. that you could potentially do. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: And, and, you know, I've met a lot of people who who want to want to break into the voice acting or just want to be on the radio because somebody told them that you sound good on the radio. But yeah, yeah. I got to say, and, and maybe you guys agree with this or not, you, you jump in. Um, when you do voiceover, voiceover acting, because there is a difference between an announcer voice and voiceover acting because you're actually acting. It, most of the time, it's you know the way you guys sound right now and the way I sound right now. Just take it you know a little bit back, a little bit forward. You, you guys know the directions you get. It's not about you know making making a cartoon voice like this or something like that. It's you actually use your own voice and just you know f- make it a tool. Find find a way to um, yeah. to use it really.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: no, I mean I would agree. It's it's about the acting. I mean, it's called voice acting for a reason. It isn't right. just making funny voices, like that's not just what it is. Um, At the end of the day, the characters that come the most to life and the, the roles that people respond to the most are because of the humanity of the acting work that's happening, you know? People are getting excited about video games because they're getting more in, in depth and more, you know, there's a lot ha- more happening in the world and that's because the voice actors are bringing those characters to life and you're getting invested in them, just like you get yep. invested in your favorite TV characters or your film characters. You know, it's it's the character that's getting brought to life, the stakes that are happening, the the things that are on the line, and you really get invested in them, regardless of them making a funny voice. It's, it's them going through the experience and having personal reactions to it it. and
7: that comes from really good writing too I think writing is getting better and better on shows like that and and on games you know that that's that's the, the reason that um, you know games like the last of us are are getting so much uh, so much attention lately yeah. because it's really good acting and really good and that comes from really good writing yeah, yeah it's
3: um, like being in the movie really now
7: yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like getting to be in a movie and spending Way more than you know, an hour and a half, two hours there.
2: Yeah. Um,
7: and getting to you know sort of interact in a way that that movies don't allow. It, it you to makes know.
2: every video game player a participant in the movie mm-hmm. rather than just going to the movie theater and watching a two-hour movie. You get to actually be in the movie with your character, with those characters. Like yeah. it's basically bringing the world to life. And and you're right. At the end of the day, it's really the acting. It's not. It's not what you can do with your voice just for, you know, like a circus show, like, oh, this is a fun thing. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. It's, it's really coming from the acting as a basis, the who, what, where, when, why of the character. You know, what are the stakes? What's happening? Where are you going? And then layering on top of that choices that are going to make the character younger with your voice or older with your voice or, you know, more drawn out or tighter. You know, like you play with all the technical elements of your voice, once you've created who that person or that being is, you know, cause it's not all people. Sometimes we play little dancing mushrooms or whatever. Yeah.
7: yeah which is not to say that, you know, that, uh, funny voices and, you know, caricatures and impressions don't have a place in voice acting, sure. but, but that shouldn't be your focus. You're right. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, I do a lot of crazy little voices. I should totally be a voice actor. Uh, maybe, you know, yeah. because nice things to have in your back pocket. And there are definitely people in this business who who really make that work for them? But the people that we've really seen stick around and do really well are also really good actors.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there is a place for even like you were saying, the announcer voice. Like that's definitely a job. Mm-hmm. And and I would and I would argue that there is acting happening in that too. I mean, they have to at least give the impression that they care about what they're talking about to mm-hmm. get you hooked on that. You know, even though it's a very specific quality to the voice. But mm-hmm. but yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, as this has been happening, I, I would say, in the last decade, I would say, um, the biggest name we think of is, of course, Morgan Freeman. Now, actual Hollywood actors are jumping into the voiceover biz. Do you guys, do you guys see that as, eh, okay, so he's doing it, or is like, that should have been my job?
7: You know, I think, you know, I think you can you can take it from both sides. Um, on one hand, it's really easy to complain about, oh, man, I can't believe that they gave that job to, to Tim Allen and, you know, Tom Hanks. So They should have gotten a... You know, purely a voiceover guy to do it. Here, look at you know, look at it this way. Would would that movie have gotten made yeah. without those names? Unfortunately, probably not. You know, because the money people want to see something that they're used to. The money people want you know to to say, oh well, I know those people, so, you know, and and those are famous actors, and so I'm sure the movie will do well. They might not have gotten the funding with those names attached. And sometimes those actors turn out to be really good voice actors. Not always, and you know sometimes they'll bet on a big actor's name to to sell an animated movie, and it'll tank. You know, yeah. and because because in the end, I don't think the audience is going because uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are doing the voices as good as they are. They're going it's, because, they're going because cause it's cause two
2: it's, little rubber duckies that are you know that they want to follow around the bathtub cause it's, cause it's, cause it's, or
1: whatever it, it, it right. is. Toy Story.
7: You know, yeah, yeah. it's 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 and it's Pixar, and they've we've learned that they tell really good, you know, engaging, fantastical stories, and that's what we want to go and see.
4: Yeah.
7: But uh, you know, I I got to work on a on a show called uh, um, Afro Samurai, and I will tell you right now that that if if Sam Jackson had not said I want to do Afro Samurai, that would have never happened, and I never would have gotten a job. So. You know, so you can take it from both sides. Do we lose jobs? Yeah, but we probably gain as many jobs as we lose.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I understand. There's a lot of actors in the world that are like, well, why, they get so many opportunities because they are who they are at the level that they're at. Why isn't, you know, why can't smaller actors or actors that are more known for just this one thing Get the opportunity, but I have to agree with Yuri completely that you know that uh, many opportunities are offered because those people are attached, and that we get the chance to do work that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And you know what? If if it's down to the the penny counters at the end of the day, and it's their choice to make a movie or not because they need people attached to it that they feel are going to you know put the bottoms in the seats, then I say more power to it. And I hope that someday I'm a name that they consider is a. Uh, a bottom in the seat Flyble. sort of name, you know.
7: Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a money game, and do I wish it was different? Yeah, I wish it was different, you know, sometimes. But but that's the game we're playing right now, yeah. and maybe it'll change someday. But that's that's yeah. the game.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you guys are also known for shelf live We talked about it before on the show. So, uh, what without uh, giving anything away, just uh, teases a little bit. What can we expect for Shell Fly's fifth season?
2: Ah, well, I can give you not very much away, but I will tell you that we are actually in the process of putting together the season four DVD, and what we're doing that's really exciting that I think the fans will particularly like, um, much like the season one through three DVD that had a lot of bonus content, Mm -hmm. we're actually putting bonus whole episodes on Uh the DVD that are not going to go online, so we're really excited about that because um, fans that and supporters of the show that get the DVD are actually going to get episodes that no one else on the internet is going to see. So I think they're yeah. going to really... Benefit from that because we're we're putting a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of hard work into the DVD. So that's actually the the big thing on our plate right now is working on the DVD because we're wanting to make it bigger and better than ever before. Because we're trying to honor how big season four was, and so in order to do that in its best sort of way, we're making the season four DVD bigger and better than anything we've done before.
7: Yeah, I'll tell you, it's going to be hard to top season four in in terms of scope, man. I you know, I'm like, what do we do next after after season four? We went so big. Um, so we're, we're still trying to sort that out right now, but, uh, in the meantime, we've got some unaired episodes from, from season four that we want to, uh, find a way to get out there and put it, you know, put together a DVD that'll have a bunch of bonus, uh, things on it. So that's, that's our focus for now.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm definitely there for that one. Really enjoyed season four. Uh, it's been following yeah. you guys since, since season one, actually. So going back to con artists, when is that one going to be ready for the public and, and where can we get it?
2: Yes. Well, we're actually currently talking to distributors right now, so we can't give you a firm date um, that people will be able to see it or where they'll see it, because depending on which distribution situation we end up with, it'll be a very different answer. But I will tell you that we are going to be holding a cast and crew screening, hopefully at the end of August, possibly the beginning of September in Los Angeles. Um, And we will be trying to invite some press people to that as well, just so that they can get a, a first glimpse of the of the film. Um, Yeah,
7: but uh, until we know, until we get a word on sort of distribution and, you know, what avenues we'll be able to get it out through, uh, you'll just have to be okay with the trailer and whatever news we can get out. But we're, we, we're, we we're working want,
2: on it every day. I yeah, promise. Yeah, we've,
7: we've, <laughs> we've worked so long to put this film together. We trust me. We uh, we want you guys to see it uh, as quickly as possible at this point.
2: Yeah, but we're definitely in talks with several conventions to potentially air it at conventions as well, which would be really yeah. fun because it would be right there for the fans maybe, that are.
7: Yeah, you
3: know, yeah, I'll say that'd be perfect.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll
7: do like a Kevin Smith style uh, road show. We'll just take a the con film. show. Yeah, style. we'll just take the film, do a bunch of cons, yeah. and uh, start screening it. Who knows? Fun.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, so again, Con Artists, you guys keep checking. You guys are on on, uh, on Twitter. What are your Twitters again?
2: Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Tara Platt. And I'm at
7: Yuri Lowenthal, so we're, we don't get complicated on nothing nope. there. We're very
2: easily to, easily found on the, on the lines. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you guys
3: can follow them there, and if they get any news, I'm sure it'll be on there first. So again, thanks, okay. thanks a lot for coming on, guys. We wish you nothing but the best and continued success, and you're welcome back anytime.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. and thanks so much for having us on. Yeah,
7: we're always happy to be on.
0: Comics Commentary with Jessica Nidon on The Geek Speak Show.
2: Hey, today I'm gonna be doing
8: a comic book review. But first I want to mention that on August 7th in Concord, California, Stan Lee is gonna be at Flying Color Comics, helping them celebrate their anniversary. He's gonna be out there signing autographs and taking photos with fans. I know you want to know all about it, all the details. Don't worry, you can find all the information on our website. So today I have with me Josh, he's a fellow comic book enjoyer and we are going to give you our thoughts on Superman Unchained number one. So Josh, when you saw the cover of Superman Unchained, what did you think?
9: I thought, hmm, next. <laughs>
8: <laughs> no you didn't. Are you serious?
9: Yeah, I don't like Superman.
8: You're not a fan of Superman? <laughs> nope. Okay. I've never been a
9: fan of Superman. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, that looks like a young Superman.
8: Yeah, he does what look a lot. Look he, he looks really clean cut.
9: He looks younger, like he's, like he's full of angst.
8: <laughs> okay, so since you're not a fan of Superman, did you like the story at all? Yeah, the story was
9: good. <laughs> it was basically like um, like an introduction, sort of.
8: Yeah, like I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, Superman. Yeah, kinda. It was... It was something, a story that someone who's not into Superman could get into without reading any of the other ones. Yeah. You know, they could get into this one. Without having no No prior knowledge. So that's always good for a comic book. Yeah. Was the art good? Did you. I thought it was okay. I
9: don't know, it was alright. It looks like there's a lot in each of the little. Squares? Were they called? <laughs> columns? In each of the columns, there's a lot going on. It's almost hard to see what you're looking at sometimes when you when you look at these. Look at that. It's like, what am I yeah, looking at? Yeah,
8: there is a lot going on. Oh, and one of the other things I found hearing parts of it, we could um, reading what he was thinking.
9: Oh, that was cool. I got, yeah. yeah,
8: that was pretty cool. I like
9: that the beginning, when yeah, he, it actually you can read his thoughts, yes. how he his thought process. That was pretty good. That's a side you never see. Yeah,
8: yeah, that was something new, and I liked that because it's like, oh, this is what Superman thinks.
9: And it's not all straightforward too. He's kind of comical about it.
8: Yep, I liked that part about it. Yeah, that so that writing cool. was cool.
9: So that already makes it better than the old.
8: <laughs> than the older ones. <laughs> I don't have a thing against Superman like you, so I enjoyed it.
9: Well, I just think Superman is like too generic. It's like Superman. <laughs> What are we gonna call him? Superman?
8: <laughs> but he's super and a man. What else would you call him? <laughs> super
9: and a man.
8: What else would he be called? You
9: should have called him Flying Laser Eye Man.
8: <laughs> super strong man.
9: Super strong guy.
8: But I do understand about too much going on in oh. some of the scenes because yeah. it is, it can be overwhelming.
9: There's a little, a little much to focus on.
8: It's, yeah. It took me, you know, I. Why it messes up because I would read, like, you know, the bubble, and then I'd stop for like five minutes looking at everything. Mm -hmm. And then I have to read. It
9: It doesn't flow well (laughs) because I have to look at all. I mean, these artists get paid a lot of money.
8: And looking at all the details, and I was like, oh, wait, I got to go read that again because I forgot. The art's pretty cool in some parts, though. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, and in the back of the um, book, I don't know what page because there's no page numbers. It shows you a little breakdown of oh, yeah, the, the art. Yeah, so that's pretty cool to see. The yeah. breakdown of how they do the art. Okay, the poster part. That was cool. Oh, I like yeah, that. That's
9: cool.
8: It, came, it has that, um, the what, like two pages of the story are put into a poster that yeah. is easily removable and put up on your wall or wherever you want to put it.
9: In your bathroom? But
8: chow. That's right when you see Superman, like, right? <laughs> For like the first time? <laughs> Right, that's like the first time. Yeah, yeah. For the story, that's the first time you really get to see him. You see, like, his feet and his face, but.
9: And they're like, who's that? that? No. <laughs> is, is that Batman? Is Spider Man? No.
8: no. No. Then cow. No, I mean, dang.
9: <laughs> Superman. One thing I don't like about these new comic books is, first of all, the finish is like a glossy finish. I don't you like, like the paper. You like the paper. And, and it, that's
8: more expensive to do, too. But
9: look, there's, but like, ads. Longer. Like, every, every like, three pages, Yeah, they do put a lot of ads. buy another one. And it's like, come on, man.
8: And they do it in the kids' books, too. And um, just, it gets them confused. Because they yeah. start reading them thinking it's part of the book. And they're like, oh, wait. That didn't make sense. Oh, it's an ad. And at the an
9: end, ad. we have an epilogue. It's a page. And then we have another ad. And then we have 5.2 questions.
8: That's cool because we talked to yeah. Scott Snyder and oh, and also Jim Lee. And so that's we'll
9: cool. Two, two or three pages of that, and then we have another ad, and then we have a completely <laughs> blank white page.
8: <laughs> that's for notes, that's, keeping notes.
9: That's symbology. <laughs> then we have another ad and another little mini comic.
8: I think that might be first, uh, Batman.
9: So yeah, they're giving you the money's worth
8: in ads. Superman works for Sears. (laughs) That's where he works. Mm -hmm. Super Sears.
9: No, he works at the Daily Bugle. Only. No, that's Clark Kent. Yeah. Superman works for Sears. (laughs) That's what they should start doing, is putting sponsors all over Superman.
8: So, on your scale, 1 to 10, what would you rate it?
9: Well, probably at least. uh, Probably 7.5.
8: Yeah, I was thinking, you know. Between 6.5 and an 8, somewhere around there, because it was pretty good. It did get my attention, and I did really like what we were talking about—the inside his mind, hearing what he thinks—that was cool.
9: Yeah.
8: I liked hearing that.
9: Yeah, that was. Or not
8: hearing it, reading it.
9: Yeah. The art is good. It's just there's just a lot going on. There is.
8: Like while you're reading, you know, you gotta see what's going on in the pictures, but there's so much going on that you lose your place are like me you forget what you just read and have to go back and reread it or i guess you could read it fast once and then go back and look at all the pictures
9: nope <laughs> no that's not no one's
8: doing that <laughs> well, thank you for being here with me dosh of course if you'd like to listen to the whole review you can find the link to that on our
2: website hi this is tara platt and i play katarina on league of legends and this is Yuri Lowenthal. I'm
0: Ben Tennyson
3: on Ben 10. And you're, and you're listening, listening to the, the Geek Speak show. show. You are listening to the Geek Speak Show. show. we just had uh he had both of them on actually. That was pretty quick. They did that for us. So we usually have we talk about a lot of Kickstarter projects here on the show. Space Command comes to mind, help them alive is another one that comes to mind. Here's another cool one for you guys to get behind. It's called Fire City, the interpreter of signs, a demon noir fantasy. I have the trailer up on the, on the Facebook page and on our main page. Before you go there, though, I also have the creators and the director on with us. So we have Brian Lubaki, Michael Hayes, Tom Woodruff. Guys, welcome to the Geek Speak Show.
10: Thank you. Hey, great Thank to be here. You.
1: Thanks.
3: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, uh, whoever wants to jump on, tell us all about
11: Fire City.
1: I think well, uh, <laughs> I didn't stop, but but hey, hey Brian, I think I think you and you and and uh, Mike Michael should jump in first.
11: Sure, sure. Uh, so Fire City uh, started out as a web series about three years ago. Brian and I uh, were screenwriters here in uh, Hollywood and um, we wanted to, to make something uh, our own. And um, so we came up with an idea, and
10: the more we started working on it and building the world out, we realized it was a a lot bigger than than a web series. And Mike and I wrote in uh, different genres. You know, I was more of the horror guy and and fantasy, and and Mike was you know more strictly action thriller. You know, has a big background in noir. So we kind of put our heads together and and brought the our favorite things from our genres and brought them to Fire City, which is where you get the the horror and the noir mixed in with thriller and the fantasy and. Like peanut butter and jelly.
11: Yeah, so we we shot some footage and uh, it came out really well. Um, we we got um, uh, Tom and Alec over at Amalgamated Dynamics involved. They built a demon for us, and um, we just started to develop the world and and sort of shop that footage around. And what we realized was that there really was no scenario. Uh, at least in this town where we actually get to make the film ourselves and and uh, stay on board um, uh, ironically the, the studio is actually uh, they are aware of the project they do want the project but they they are are very very risk averse and and one of the biggest risks is to work with um, um, new producers you can, you can work with a lot of new talent but producers are really something that uh, uh, studios shy away from. They really do not like to work with new new producers. So uh, we decided to, to just keep it, to, to just you know uh, keep the project our own and and uh, and go the Kickstarter way.
5: Always good. So uh, what is the inspiration behind the Fire City world?
10: Well, you know, it, it's a couple of things. You know, from an emotional standpoint, when we started writing this, uh, my daughter was. Very very young. Michael also has two daughters, so it, it came from a conversation about being terrified of having a daughter, wanting to protect them, you know, their innocence, their virtue, you know, all the scary things as a dad you go through. Um, so that was really the, the spark, um, and from there we just took you know a classic noir gumshoe detective, you know, all the great things we love about Chinatown and Maltese Falcon, and kind of put them in a world that's closer to Hellraiser or at least Hellboy. Um, And and it really just took off from there.
1: And then how did you guys meet? Well, these guys came to us actually through a a, a mutual friend of ours. This was a a, a, a film producer and director himself that had had put us in touch uh, because he knew Brian and and Michael, and, and he had done some work with me on a project that I was trying to get off the ground. So long story short is the guys came to us with this great idea for this gigantic film and no means to get it made. So the idea was that they were going to produce this promo piece, really high-polished promo piece, that would feature one character. And look, these things come to us uh, you know, at, at, at ADI, where we create monsters and creatures all the time for, for everything, from low-budget to big studio projects. Every once in a while, we'll see a project like this, and you can tell it's got heart, and it's got someplace to go, meaning it's, it's, it's a safe bet for us to jump in and get involved. So we... Pour everything we can into it, and and basically do these things that you know for for, for a dime, and um, it came out really cool. I played this creature. These guys uh, uh, put together a really really great promotional thing, and and the ball really started rolling once this thing got out.
5: And then, who are the actors and interpreter of science?
11: Well, we we shot a short film promo, um, and we shot with an actress named Stacy Heide who uh, was on um, Superboy back in the day and Sequest and she just has a lot of credits Um, um, and we shot uh, with a guy named John Robinson who was in uh, Gus Van Zandt's Elephant um, and um, just a fantastic uh, actor. And of course, Tom directed for us. Uh, we, somewhere uh, along the way, probably I don't know a year a year and a half ago, we found out Tom wanted to direct so so uh, we jumped at the chance to to um, to have him uh, take control.
1: <laughs> please yeah, there was, a, there, <laughs> was defi- there was definitely strategy there was a strategy involved in my wanting to direct because when I saw this thing come together, what these guys do with the promotional reel, I thought, God, this is such a cool world. And and, and at that point, um, there's an element of, of us, you know, as ADI creature guys, wanting to get, to put this stuff out here. But 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 hey, we we also wanted to benefit us. And and as we started propelling ourselves more into production mode as producers and, and writers and directors, creating content and aligning ourselves with other creative people, I thought that this might be the opportunity to be able to jump. Out of just being the creature builder and actually being the guy that knows how to direct these things. So it was sort of a long process. It wasn't complicated, but we had to wait for certain things to fall into place the right way before it made sense to move forward. <coughs>
3: We are talking about Fire City, the interpreter of signs is a demon noir fantasy. It's also a Kickstarter project. You guys can get involved. Very cool. Look at the trailer again after we finish this interview. Or you guys can open up a new tab and watch it while the, I, I know a lot of you have to get multitask. But we're talking to Brian Lubaki and Michael Hayes are the creators and producers. Director is Tom Woodruff Jr. He's on the phone with us also. Talk about who else is behind the scenes with you guys.
10: Well, we have a fantastic line producer named Dennis Stuart Murphy. He's actually the line producer on the show The Bridge right now on FX, and he, he was the guy who was making sure everything was on budget on time for, oh god, uh, Reanimator, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, oh, Friday wow. the Thirteenth Part Two. Uh, Enough with Jennifer Lopez. So this is a veteran who really, who really makes sure that we all. Uh, keep on task and do what we say we're going to do. uh,
11: Also, besides him, we have a fantastic uh, uh, director of photography, Rob Hauer. Um, who was uh, Best uh, Cinematographers Under 35 in Cinematographer Magazine. Uh, We have Dane Oshiro, who's a production designer, just a fantastic, fantastic production designer. And those guys have been with us for three years. Uh, We shot three years ago with them, we shot three months ago with them, and we just plan to keep, you know, keep the team
10: together. We also have a for sound design, which is kind of the unsung hero, a gentleman by the name of Christopher Eakins, who worked on The Matrix Reloaded, The Expendables 1, and also, excuse me, The Expendables 2. And whenever you hear a demon roar or the ground shake or the walls crack, he's the one behind it, and it really, at such a deep level, so we're really happy that he's on board for this as well.
3: Yeah, and you can hear some of that in the trailer again, which I do have on our Facebook page, if you guys, if you guys haven't checked it out. Also, we have a link in our guest link section to the Kickstarter, so like I said, you guys can get behind it. But before you do, they want to know, like every good Kickstarter project, what are the incentives for the backers?
11: Well, uh, they get to live with Tom for a month.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's it. Uh, yeah, $10,000. <laughs>
1: there's also a two month well
11: reward. that
3: depends also, do we get to live with Tom at, at ADI or do we have to stay at his well, home well
1: that's where he lives he lives in one of the
5: two- <laughs> utilities it's included or what
1: it's <laughs> 10 hours a day here in Chatsworth and you don't get
10: any internet connection but there's really good <laughs> food there. so for, for prizes
11: we have everything from uh, um, uh, sets of demon tarot cards uh, um, we have uh, a maquette of our what we call our Moloch demon, which is the horn, the crazy horn demon. You could actually uh, be
10: a demon, or be killed by a demon.
5: Horny demon, right?
10: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for all the the people aspiring to uh, just get their face on, on the screen or, or have a line of dialogue, we we have that available. You could also be behind the scenes. Uh, there's there are different roles where you can uh, contribute to the creation of a demon and be in and all our creative meetings. Um, be on the set, be an associate producer, even an executive producer, if you'd like.
11: Yep. Uh, those are the higher end things. Um, certainly, uh, we encourage people to, to grab those up. Um, uh, but we also have things like comic book, um, uh, DVD, of course, Blu-ray,
10: T-shirts, um, uh there's also because of uh, our movie centers around our interpreter of signs, which is actually a fortune teller in the demon world. There's all sorts of cool prizes where she will tell you your fortune on Facebook, or she'll make you a, a specialty tarot card that you'll actually get sent to you with your special fortune.
3: And I think a lot of people are, are gonna are gonna want the. Uh... Walk on roll or the, uh, the getting killed by a demon roll. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and those of you who are thinking, yeah, I don't want to memorize lines. You, you, there's no lines to memorize. It's just ah or, or, ah, or whatever. <laughs> there you go. There's your line. Yeah.
5: However you die.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> if you do want to get involved, there are different levels. Of course, you can check it all out on, on the Kickstarter page that we have it up on our guest link section. Uh, when do you hope to have the f- the film ready for the public?
10: Well, if all goes according to plan, uh, um, we, we plan to shoot in January, this January. Um, so we're, we're aiming towards an October 2014 release. Now, a lot of things could happen. You know, we have to formalize a schedule and, and actually go out to actors and make sure that their schedules are coordinating with ours. So all that could change, but we're, we're kind of locked and loaded for the January shoot if, if everything falls into place.
3: Yeah, because you actually do have actors. I mean, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, I saw C. Thomas Howell in the trailer, right?
10: That's right. To see, Thomas Howe was actually in our test footage we did a couple years ago, and he was playing our detective in, in uh, the sequel to what we're doing now, which is actually going to be called Fire City, Demon in the Darkness. And that's actually the first of a, a trilogy, if we're not being too ambitious. Yeah, we so. are, but... <laughs>
3: So hopefully, you know, we'll have something. We'll ha- be able to have you guys back for our Halloween show. You know, that's there's no wood in here. Everything is computerized. Now there's no wood to knock on. Knock on wood. <laughs> pretend wood. But uh, hopefully we'll have something uh, by Halloween. Uh, shout hey, out to hey, hey. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> So, again, it's a very awesome Kickstarter project like most of the ones we have on here. You guys love getting behind them. Go again to our guest guest link section. It's all on there for you to check out the the trailer that they have on there. And there's some other short videos for you guys, some behind-the-scenes stuff also for you guys to see. There's some messages from Tom and Brian and Michael. So, Brian, Michael, Tom, thanks a lot for coming on. And then it's all about um, Fire City, the interpreter of signs. Keep us updated. We'll have you guys back on whenever you have any news or anything that you you want to tell us. You're more than welcome back on the show.
1: Hey, that's great. Henry and Joel, thank you guys, too, for having us on. You are very welcome, but the pleasure was ours. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Watch it? Don't watch it? Let's find out.
1: Please make a note of it. Pacing
0: Pete's Movie Reviews, exclusively on The Geek Speak Show.
6: Hey, guys. I'm back this week to review The Wolverine. Now, going into this movie, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, this comes off the first standalone Wolverine movie, X-Men Origins Wolverine, that just plain wasn't good. It, it left little to be desired when it came to a sequel. I mean, where were they going to go? What were they going to do? And there was so much going on that by the end of the movie, you were just kind of like, whatever. So, when I heard about a sequel, I couldn't help but be concerned. The trailers didn't leave much to be excited about either. I was very much wondering, is this going to be another movie about a superhero, or I, I take that back, a mutant who is going to be battling whether or not he wants to be humanized again, or is he trying to find a cure for himself? Because that's what I was—that's the kind of the, tra- the thought I was getting when I saw the trailers. Now that's just what I thought going in. Coming out, it exceeded my expectations. It was very, very well done. I was really, really surprised at how well it was done. And I'm not saying that it was just another superhero comic book movie. It was a really well-done character, character-driven character movie. It's far and away better than X-Men Origins Wolverine. It is just way better. I mean, it's not even close how, how much better this movie is than X-Men Origins. I very much enjoyed that it really got into Logan, you know, Wolverine. It got into him as a person. It wasn't just him fighting, throwing his claws around. You know, it was—it was there it was, was a deeper meaning to him and what was going on in the story. And I found that I found that very entertaining. That was probably what I enjoyed about it the most. The action was awesome. The fight scenes were really cool. You know, granted that the first two acts of the movie I thought were really handled well. By the third act, the you know the climactic ending, the the fight scenes, everything that came at the end, it. It became a comic book movie again, but that's not a terrible thing. It, it still was very, very well done. Now, the source material comes from The Wolverine. A lot of comic book know-it-alls, such as yourselves, know that it's also known as the Japanese Saga, which was a story done by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. I actually, when I was research researching some of the information, that you know, the background for this movie, I came across a, a really good ar- article written by Casey Walsh of GeeksWithWives.com. You should check it out sometime. Uh, he had a really good overview of of the Japanese saga. And if, if you haven't read the comic books or you're maybe thinking about it, uh, check out that read before you do it, because it's it's a nice, it gives you a it's a good article that helps seg that gives you a good segue into you know the movies and the comic books and tying it all together and I thought it was really well done. The acting was great, huge Jama- Hugh Jackman is always good, like I said earlier. He's a really, really good Wolverine. I feel like he gets better in every Wolverine movie he does, especially in this one. And with the depth that is brought onto the character, you know, Wolverine, Logan, it he brings so much more of that out with how well he portrays that character. I really enjoyed this movie, and like I said earlier, it blew away my expect. well I wouldn't say it blew away expectations, but it certainly exceeded my expectations as to what we would get with this next standalone Wolverine movie. And, just to sum everything up, it was a good story. It was very well done. I like how it didn't need all the fancy, you know, special effects. It didn't need too much action. It needed just enough to keep me entertained. And I think it'll keep you entertained for the two hours and six minute running time that it that it has. Now if you haven't heard already, there is some really cool stuff going on in this movie, particularly after the credits, after the very, very uh, first credits, I won't give anything away. I'll just say, um, keep your butt in those seats and watch because you are certainly gonna be rewarded and it's really, really, really cool. I wish I could just spoil it for you guys and tell you all about it, uh, and tell you all about it, but I won't say anything. Just go watch it and trust me, it's really, really, really cool. Now, I usually like to pace around. My name name's Pacey so obviously, but you don't need to pace around and think about this movie. You need to just run to the theater and watch it. That's my recommendation. Run to this movie, go watch it, enjoy it, and know that Fox is certainly in the right, is going in the right direction. And I can't wait for Days of Future Past, uh, which is the next X-Men movie. It, it should be really exciting. If, if, if it's going the way that Wolverine is, this movie went, Wolverine, then I certainly am excited for the next X-Men film. If you agree or disagree, let me know. You can reach me on my email, pacingpete at geekspeakshow.com, or hit me up on my Twitter, at Pacing Alright guys, take it easy. I'll see you at the movies.
0: What did you think of the movie? Send an email to pacingpete at geekspeakshow.com. This is the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Sci-fi, fantasy, horror, graphic novels, biographies. You'll hear them here on the Geek Speak Show Book Club.
3: No, I don't have the Harry Potter book. Uh, Should I change that or do you guys like that? If it is the book you require. I like
5: that one. If it is the book you require, I shall provide.
3: Hmm. Okay, so so who wants. uh, (laughs) We actually all do have books. I actually did get a chance to read. So who wants to go first
5: this time around?
4: Joel, what do you have?
5: Yeah, I guess I'll start it off, set the bar low. Yeah, he's going to be the shortest anyway, so might as well. So this time I chose this graphic novel. I mean, you guys might know about it. It was Frank Miller's, and it was Frank Miller's Daredevil: Born Again, which came out in the '80s, late '80s to be exact, '86 I think, good year. And then, um, uh, is drawn by David Mazzeielli, one of my, you know, I really like this guy as an artist. And this one is pretty much, you know, the Kingpin really, really, really ruins Matt Murdock's life. He loses his house. I think uh, Kingpin blew it up. If I can uh, remember very well, anyway, that's where Shane Black got the yeah. idea. It was all this stuff happened to Daredevil, and he had woman problems, and one of his girlfriends became a uh, like a porn star, and then a heroin addict, and then she sold his identity to the mafia, and then eventually it got like to the kingpin. So the kingpin found out that Matt Murdock was biographical Daredevil. to you. Yeah, this actually happened to me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Daredevil like reaches rock bottom. And then he says to himself, Gotta keep moving, because I'm not dead if I keep moving and then uh eventually with the help of the Avengers he uh gets it all back together and he's born again. And I just like to brought I brought that book up because uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been on the show and I'm born again. Hmm. He's a born again, a born again I'm a born again geek.
4: Daredevil speak? show so what's the
5: host? Daredevil born again. So that's I was his...
4: born this way.
5: Rachel, what you got? <laughs>
4: Okay, so what is one of the coolest things about aliens in any story?
3: You said blood. yeah.
4: Well, yeah different color, blood. blood
3: that they come that they're so advanced from us. I mean they have to to get here first of all.
4: Okay. so for me, the coolest things are a, like the world that they come from, right this whole different place and B. That they speak a language that is either, you know, half audio and and half binary, or the, all these random things with their languages, or how their computers work differently with some kind of computer coding language. So,
5: you got me thinking um, about that movie Signs now.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. So my book is called The Language Construction Kit, um, and it's by Mark Rosenfelder. But what this would do is if you were going to create. Um, an alien race or some kind of crazy sci-fi people, um, you would have to create a language for them, right? And so this will let you choose all of the things about it, like decide what it sounds like, create the grammar, design the alphabet, um, design the text and how it would look. um, And and it gives you all the right things so that you have it so you actually can use it in a story or um, a film or whatever and you i mean you can even make it into an app you can you can do all these cool things but you have your own uh language for your fantasy slash alien world and i think it's awesome geek this again and i want to do it
5: what language are you speaking right now
4: (laughs) well generally i like to go to arabish um but in this case we might have to come up with a new one
5: yeah i speak Italian
3: myself she has the handbook to do it too She wants to go to a new one So, so my book is The Mad Scientist's Guide to World Domination <laughs> It's actually edited by John Joseph Adams It's a collection of um, short stories By a bunch of authors Has a foreword by one Chris Claremont You might Well actually no you said You're, you're over the X-Men Well the movies Chris Claremont did the X Men comics. So we could you, talk
5: about this off the show, off, uh, off the air. Yeah, he
3: did. Uh, <laughs> he he did the forward for this. But this is this is a um, short collection of short stories by different authors. Is talking about world domination. You d- look at um, mad scientists and people who want to take over the world in uh, a lighter way. Yeah, they're not all that bad. Yeah, they're not all that mad. They just
4: want to rule everything. It's okay.
3: Yeah, and you know. They just know a thing most or two. Of humanity. So uh, they, they they actually they actually take it. They most of the stories they talk about how how they the uh, world dominees, I guess what do you call them <laughs> how they how they how they see dominate their the hero <laughs> that comes to save the day. How do they see them? I mean, we all see him as a hero, of course. But how do they see him? You know, they see him as the villain and explains the why. why. And it's, it's pretty interesting. So again, it's called The Mad Scientist Guide to World Domination, edited by John Joseph Adams. Pretty new. You can find it in bookstores. Just came out uh, last month, as a matter of fact. I find it in the library. So you, you, <coughs> What's you a library? Can probably, you guys, the, the place where you usually go when you need to go to the restroom.
5: You mean the internet? <laughs> oh, yeah, books.
4: that place.
3: No, oh. oh. Uh, yeah, you guys can find it there. So <laughs> those are our books for the book club this week. And uh, that's the show for this week. Before we go anywhere, a couple of oh, announcements uh-huh. I have to make. That was very St. Patrick's Day of me, but a couple of announcements we got to make. <laughs> One, um, we I'm going to take a page from Joel. No, not not reading. a page? Another page.
4: Yeah, not, not the reading part.
3: I'm going to take a long vacation, as in the whole month of August. And I'm taking you guys with me. How about that? Yes.
4: Oh, yes. Where are we going?
3: You can stay in your house. You can stay in your house. I'll stay in my house. I do like my house. Uh, no, we're, uh, we're going to take a break only because... Uh, we, I need to t- like I keep mentioning you know a lot of the technical stuff I got to do behind the scenes. I do have to do that, and I actually have to take time and uninstall some things that are here, and, and you know it's kind of hard to do a show when you don't have a microphone. microphone. So I have to yeah, un- no. unplug microphones and speakers and you know, just a bunch of really really geek tech geek stuff. So. Um, rather than work around the mess of wires that the bigger mess of wires, I should say that we have here, I'm just going to say, take a break, but there will be some special programming, not best Mm. of some special programming. Start listening next week and you will see exactly what that is. It's pretty cool. Actually, you guys will like that.
5: So this may be the last time we hear our voices on the air, huh? Well, if we get while. hit by a meteor or something, in the meantime, maybe. Rachel, ben. say something. I want to hear you. <laughs>
3: the other thing is you still will get to see us, literally. You'll see Joel, myself, and our comic commentator, Jessica Nathan. She'll be out there. We're going to be with Stan Lee.
4: Yes.
5: Who's that guy?
3: Let me let that sink in. We're going to be with Stan Lee. I missed him at a <laughs> Big Wow. You guys glanced at him from a uh, uh, distance. Well, he's, always, actually,
5: he's always crowded by bodyguards.
3: So. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually going to see. This is my second chance, and and you know, be unless... You have a DeLorean and you know where it's going to hit. Lightning doesn't strike twice and you don't know where it's going to hit. This time we do. Stan Lee, I miss him in San Jose. I'm going to see him in Concord. Flying Colors, a comics, lot. and other cool stuff. 25th anniversary. Let's oh, not forget that it's yeah. also the 25th anniversary with Stan Lee. picture packages are sold out. They've been sold out for a while. So you guys can go there. If you don't have your tickets, you're not going to get you know an audience with Stan Lee. You might see him, like Joe said, with a bunch of heads all around You can go ahead and try and take pictures. But <laughs> I do know... Those same security guys—they will not allow you to take yeah. pictures with your own phones or cameras or anything. So he should Just have his—he
5: uh, should have his security guards dress up in costume, like you, know, like uh, the Marvel characters. You know,
3: it'd be kind of cool. But Joe, who thought of free comic book day, also thought <laughs> of everybody else who's not going to get to see. See, the, see David Glanzer and everybody that said at Comic Con—they should do something like this. He know, Joe knows that not everybody's going to get to see Stan Lee at Flying Colors. So, tell me more. in conjunction with the San Francisco Giants... What's baseball? What do, What is that? The San Francisco <laughs> Giants. You're going to have a Stan Lee experience at AT&T Park later that evening.
5: AT&T Park!
3: You got to get your packages. That starts at 7.15. Shut up, Joe. At 7.15 <laughs> at night, it's a uh, VIP party pre-game event. I guess the game starts at 7.30 or something like that. Yeah, Usually, I, yeah. You're asking me like... 7.35 maybe. Um, But you get the... Have drinks with Stanley. Have orders with Stanley. Maybe nice. some dinner with, with one of the packages, and of course, a picture and an autograph, and just geek out about baseball. I guess because.
4: <laughs> well, I was going to say, here's the one reason why you could go to the baseball game.
5: Tell me more. Star Wars Day.
4: Well, yeah. Besides that, of course, that's the only reason why I'd go. I
5: wonder if uh, AT and T Park's is going to give away something Stanley-related too? Because they usually give like uh, giveaways. Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that because they are. Um, Sergio Romo, I guess, is one of the players. Sergio Romo. Yeah,
3: again, don't, don't ask me. Um, <laughs> but your generalissimo, he, he, I don't know if he drew it, but it, it is a very limited edition um painting. I don't know if it's a painting, oh. but it's just probably just a drawing. I don't think he actually sat down and painted. Or a screen print. Yeah, of uh, of Sergio Romo when a very. Oh, it's sort of like a Silver Surfer kind of pose with your Generalissimo <laughs> Stanley in the background, and he will sign those. They're a very limited edition. So yeah. if you get those, you are you are getting yourself a very um, limited edition. Like I said, but a
5: very That's valuable cool. piece yeah. of art. I'm a Giants fan. I mean, I'll throw it out there. 2010, 2012, what? New York Giants. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> nope that
3: is what's <laughs> going on uh august 7th we will be there but again the show we will we won't be doing new episodes we will be doing special episodes for you guys just keep on listening and uh, i'm telling you you're gonna like what, what you like i mean what you hear so i was gonna say coming back next week but come on back next month, month? <laughs> and i don't know what rhymes with that
5: uh, yeah that's that's a stumper yeah
3: i don't know just come on back next month and i guess we'll speak more geek then so everybody enjoy your vacation enjoy whatever it is you i, I would say enjoy your books but i know it's joel <laughs> so enjoy your graphic novels or whatever you do hey i like pictures i'm a visual person That's yeah. true. and we will see everybody august 7th at flying colors for the 25th anniversary and stan lee there bye
2: henry and the gang will return next week with an
0: all-new episode the Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, RamasScreen.com, ZergNet.com, and Collider.com. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Follow them on Twitter at GeekSpeakShow1. Become a fan on Facebook and watch event coverage on YouTube slash videos. See you next week. Cheerio.
1: The Geek Speak Show.